Hey there, everyone. You're listening to Wrestling With Film. I'm your host, Bentley. And I'm your host, Will. And on today's episode, we've got some exciting wrestling news happening around the world. We've got some potential signings over an impact. Then we've got the Ring of Honor Pure Championship Tournament kicking off here soon. And then we're going to be jumping into the meat of the episode. We're going to be discussing Captain America Silver War versus... Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and I'll be making quite a number of people upset today. Including me. (laughs) And then finally, we've got our rundown of the TWE show, as well as breaking down their upcoming show on the 22nd. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for sticking with us. So we've got quite a bit of wrestling news to go ahead and discuss. We'll walk us through it. We'll start things off over on the Impact Wrestling side of things. We have potentially got a few more signings. Lee Moriarty, Trey Lamar, and Benjamin Carter all worked the explosion taping. So it's looking like they might be signing them. I know all three of them are pretty close with Alex Shelley, who's currently one half of the tag champs right now in a impact mainstay for a good amount of time. Nice. So where did, where do they come from? Um, I would say probably their biggest stage thus far has been companies like GCW or black label pro, but they All three of them have tremendously high ceilings. Trey Lamar and Benjamin Carter are some of the best high flyers out on the independent circuit right now. And Lee Moriarty's, he reminds me a lot of Kyle O'Reilly. He's got that technical background, but he has that hard-hitting striking style that is very, very satisfying to watch. Nice. And then over on the Ring of Honor side, we also have another potential signing of some GCW talent. It's looking like they may have snatched up Tony Deppen because he was announced for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship Tournament. He was one of the 10 names that they dropped. So obviously he will be my pick to win it. And if he does not, I will be devastated. (laughs) Well, I'll be here to console you if the worst happens. I'm really hoping that they don't just make him like some first round fodder to Jay Lethal. And also Jay Lethal better not win that belt. He's already held it in the past. He's he's tag champ right now. He doesn't need more belts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it seems that we have increasingly gotten tired of the one person, multiple belts. Like at first when quarantine started, I was like, yeah, I'm cool with this. And now I'm like, nah, like let's stop this for, for a while now. Well, it's just that everyone feels the need to do it now. Yeah. That's it's getting a bit ridiculous how many and how often it's happening. And like, I, I still think having Sasha and Bailey Get all the belts is a great ploy. It basically turns two people into mega heat magnets. So that way the entire women's division can unite against them. But that's a storyline that's already in place and I already like it. A lot of these other ones, I'm like, I don't think we need any more two belts or dose straps or anything else for a while. Like, let's let's divvy it up. The only people that I felt had 
any actual business putting all the belts on one person is Sasha, Bailey, and then when they did it with Naito and now Evil holding IWGP double gold. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully this we've reached the saturation point. We can disperse the belts back out, have a more well-rounded championship stable, and then let the double belt thing go back to being special. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that everybody will not do this again for years. <laughs> and then over on the AEW side, they finally finished their mid-card championship belt. The TNT belt is now finished, but also don't let Cody hear you say it's a mid-card belt because he don't like that. So we were talking about this earlier. There was a great... Uh... <laughs> burn that happened on twitter about it they got cody so good (laughs) so cody put out a tweet saying like he doesn't like the idea of mid-card belts because all belts should be important blah 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 and then someone said something about like well you're just saying that because you're a mid-carder holding the mid-card belt and he's and he responded then why are you following me to which the fan responded because you're my favorite mid-carder ever It's so good. It is so good. And he didn't respond because there's nothing he could say. <laughs> like, you, you've been stopped. <laughs> but the belt itself... I don't... I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I honestly think I kind of preferred the unfinished one because I think the silver and red looks way better than gold and red. Yeah, yeah. And I. It took me a minute to really see the differences. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm not terribly impressed with it. Again, I don't know to me what is an impressive belt. I know I've been Their a world suck- title looks nice. Yeah. I, I know I've been a sucker for the US championship that WWE's had. The, the new one or the old one? The old one. I did like the old one. The new I one's like, alright. I just feel like something's missing. Yeah, like there's it's it's like it's half there. And then the last little bit of news over on the W. WWE side, they are debuting starting with, I believe, this upcoming SmackDown taping. So they're debuting their quote-unquote Thunderdome, which I'm not sure what it's going to look like. They said it's a bunch of drone cameras and lights so that they can do what the NBA is doing with, like, zooming in fans. Yeah, I saw, I don't know if it was the WWE one, but I've seen where it just looks like people are at their desk, like at chairs in their desk, and they're being projected onto the seats. So obviously, they're a lot bigger than one-for-one seats. It's like you take up two rows of seats, but there'll be sound, there'll be the people there somehow i imagine you can have your signs i I, i'm very curious if you bring a sign for your zoom call into wwe shame on you (laughs) i'm very intrigued my my wife and i we're gonna look into getting into it at some point i think it'd be fun to to at least be in the crowd for one show during this i'm hoping i want it to just be like not where it looks like they're in the crowd i just want a full encompassing led screen dome around them and i want there to even be fans like directly above them just staring down (laughs) well i I actually did hear that with them moving to the amway center that there are things that they can do like on the roof and on the ceiling of the venue to make it a more all-encompassing presentation they're wanting it to rival or be parallel to WrestleMania-style entrances. But with there not being an audience, there's a lot more things that they can do with it. They're wanting to bring full production value, pyrotechnics, you know, projections all over the place, fill the place up with lasers. I think the example I heard was when a superstar like Drew McIntyre 
comes out to the ring, the whole arena is his entrance, you know, with lasers and projections all over the place. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really intrigued to see how it's all going to change. means pump up the theatric. Yes. So I think that is everything when it comes to the wrestling news, right? That is. Let's switch gears over to this superhero slog fest. <laughs> Stay tuned. Thanks for sticking with us for the wrestling news. Now it's time for the meat and potatoes. Batman versus Superman versus Captain America versus Iron Man versus Spider-Man versus Black Widow versus Falcon versus Vision versus Ant-Man versus Martha. (laughs) No, that's the Batman versus Superman one. Uh, So I, I feel like I need to do this. I need to address a couple of elephants in the room before we even start discussing this. First of all, I am a massive DC fanboy. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I grew up with DC comics. I love the DC movies. I don't hate Marvel movies. Just want to put that out there. I think for the most part, Marvel movies are aggressively average. <laughs> so wanted to just put myself in front of that so that people can be mad at me immediately. Uh, number two, and this will also make people mad, I do not think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is really that interconnected and that it gets a lot of leeway that it shouldn't. A lot of my issues with Marvel movies are more with the fans than the movies themselves. So I figured I'd make people mad right now, and then I can justify my incendiary remarks as we start discussing this. But I don't want to try and pretend like I'm not biased. You're very biased. (laughs) I think as we were talking about before we started, I own six or seven Marvel movies on Blu-ray yet I own every single DC Cinematic Universe movie uh, as a seal book. <laughs> and that's the thing that upsets me. Like, there's only maybe two good DC movies. You're wrong. Three. <laughs> Three. I forgot Man of Steel was fun. Man of Steel's great. <laughs> Man of Steel is fun. Wonder Woman. Amazing. And I just said three just to, like, throw you a bone and include Batman vs. Superman, but that movie sucks. <laughs> It's really just two. No, three. Birds of Prey was cool. Aquaman, Shazam, also great. I haven't seen those ones yet. Oh, they're good. They're good. I am in Suicide Squad, and this will make some of y'all mad, is uh, basically a Marvel movie Rah. made by DC. <laughs> Trash. It's a Marvel movie made by DC. That's what it is. <laughs> no, that's Justice League. Oh, yeah, Justice League. Just Okay, so I do own it. I do have the steel book. Why? Because I'm a fanboy. We we established this already. <laughs> yeah, but you don't reward bad movies with your money. I retweeted the release of Snyder Cut a whole bunch of times. So Snyder Cut's different though, because that's allegedly gonna be the good version of the movie. Ew, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so awesome. I can't wait for the DC fandom to Is it gonna fix the poo-poo CGI for yes. Steppenwolf? Yeah, it's actually they're not even using uh that version of him. So the- did you so we'll, we'll go ahead, we'll jump into oh I, I don't even know how I want to frame this. Like, I don't know if I want to justify why Batman vs. Superman works and Civil War doesn't because there's so many abstract concepts about why I believe one works and one doesn't. Let's do this. We'll, we'll start with Civil War and I'll, I'll kind of lay out my beef with Marvel movies in general and then 
why I think Silver War did not work as well as it should have. Okay. So the first issue with with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is I do not believe that they are a tightly interwoven story. There are a lot of inconsistencies throughout all the movies. Most of the connective tissue is nothing more than a post-credit or mid-credit scene that is maybe three minutes of footage that somehow connects just a random little, oh, hey, here's this thing that happened in the movie and look at this character popping up all of a sudden. So it's like Marvel comic. Yes, uh, very much so. Because but, that's how everybody's solo run is, is everyone's doing cr- saving the end of the world, but separately and somehow no one else notices that the en- world is ending. Yes, which to me is an issue. Like once the Avengers were established, like at a certain point, it's like, oh, this life-threatening cataclysm is going to happen. Cool, cool, cool. No, I'm I'm busy. I can't, I can't help you out. Sorry. My contract doesn't allow me to. H- have fun handling this on your own, perhaps with an even greater threat than what we face together as a team. You got this. You're, you're good. Now, I think that Marvel did a good job at at least saving like the really big threats for Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they should just make every movie take place at the same time so you can justify everyone's busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that, that actually brings me to one of the points that I wanted to make. I believe that the movies that end up becoming, there's two branches of mainline narrative for Marvel movies. You have the Avengers and then you have Captain America. And those are the ones that really do the heavy lifting when it comes to pushing the story and establishing the world more so than I think anything else i would say the only other ones that do heavy duty story pushing is the guardians of the galaxy they do a lot of like filling in the blanks but i don't feel like they really necessarily push things too much so i i will i'll agree and disagree but when you look at it i think that those individual movies should not have been individual movies they should have been the phases i think there are four phases total before endgame happened and i believe that what the the climax film was should have been spread out across the movie to give it a more connective tissue you know i think that the avengers did great you established your your characters you built up you got you got the 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 team up movie then you had age of ultron and i think that ultron was okay i think it probably should have been more of an Iron Man movie. They should have been Iron Man 2, but Civil War and Infinity War should have been the start of the phase. I would have preferred to see the entire phase 2 be the Civil War storyline, where you actually see the ramifications of the Sokovia hearing. You actually have a splinter team, you know, because honestly, you have all the time between Age of Ultron and then Civil War. That's when the Sokovia thing all of a sudden becomes an issue. Tony builds a conscious. They decide to split up in team. It feels feels very rushed, very, yeah, no, we need to do this thing, but I don't want to. But you should do this thing. No, now we're angry at each other. And then you end up breaking out all the superheroes that get put into the prison as part of the storyline. Because I know you can't make Tony Stark the actual bad guy in the storyline because, you know, he's your he's your face of your multi-billion dollar franchise. But let that story percolate. Have the Avengers and then have like your rogue who are doing more subterfuge storyline. You know, let the Captain America ones 
be more cloak and dagger and spy and heist movies and then have your regular avengers be more blockbustery huge action movies where you can have your big faceless cgi armies going up against everything and i think it could have worked that way instead of trying to cram it all into one movie i I do agree with you on that because civil war in the comics is one of my favorite storylines and the fact that they a hot shotted it into a captain america movie and all said and done within just one movie Mm -hmm. there's no way they could have done it right and i think that in trying to cram civil war all into one movie they did a decent job but it should have been at least it should have been the next phase yeah absolutely and i think that that's the big problem with marvel is that they want these big singular event movies when i think that you could have had a much more engaging and much more exciting universe because really marvel movies are one-offs one-offs with a cameo that connects it to, to the next movie. You know, I, I think the joke that I've heard is that it's the uh, most expensive TV show ever made because they're very episodic storylines and sometimes they'll cross over, sometimes they won't. And I think that, I know this sounds weird, if they had worried less about chasing the billion dollars and more about building like a large cohesive story, I think that you would have made even more money and you'd have less naysayers like me. It's like, you know what? Like, honestly, I'm, I got burnt out on Marvel movies because it was so much of the same thing over and over again. I think what we've talked about before is that it's superhero movie mad. You know, you have the same framework. You just replace your hero name, your bad guy name, and the scale that is at risk. Rinse, wash, repeat. I just, I don't know. I do, part of me like the idea from a marketing standpoint of don't make them too connected because DC, like you can't deny that they do not draw nearly the same size of an audience as the Marvel movies do. No, I know. I know they don't. Marvel movies are so like ingrained with mainstream culture, but that it's not just like your average movie going fan that's going to go see it. It's your parents are going to go see it. Mm-hmm. your coworkers are going to go see it. Your boss is going to go see it. And they try to market it t- more towards the people that aren't keeping up with every single one so that they won't get lost. And I get that. But at the same time, they talk about how it is so interconnected. And you, that's the big thing. That's what the Marvel fans always push. Like, oh, it's 22 movies building up to, to Endgame. It's all completing all these storylines and it's so fulfilling and like it's not really like it's very much you have if there's 22 movies in the cinematic universe i would say nine maybe 10 of them actually push the story for overall when you look at things yeah but their their main goal is less big narrative and more let's build franchises inside of this all-encompassing franchise i don't know it, it just it bothers me Because, you know, the thing that I loved about DC movies, and I still do, and I don't know if they're going to actually keep it up anymore, but you had Man of Steel, the events and actions of that directly impacted the character of Superman, which directly impacted Batman versus Superman. The events and actions of Batman versus Superman directly impacted the characters and the narrative that went into the original Justice League, you know, before all the wacky reshoots and undoing a lot of stuff. They all fed into one another. You could watch all three of those movies back to back and it's basically like watching one giant, you know, eight hour, nine hour movie, however long all the time is together. That just progressively gets worse and worse <laughs> and worse. No, if you if if 
you watch the director's the ultimate cut of Batman vs Superman, which is amazing. And again, I still stand by the fact Batman vs Superman will stand the test of time, and it will widely be considered one of the top five superhero movies of all time. It's already been forgotten about, sir. No, no, you'll see. It, it'll make a resurgence. Marvel movies are are popcorn. You know, you, you consume them, you have fun, then you forget about them. Batman vs Superman's aging like wine. It's just going to get better with time. <laughs> No, I feel like DC (laughs) movies age like bananas. Okay, as a fan of bananas and DC movies, I'm insulted and hurt. To, to get into Civil War specifically, there's so many things that are brought up within that movie and resolved within that movie that, quote unquote, have long ranging impact, but doesn't. I mean, even if you look at the end of the movie where it's revealed that Bucky was the person who killed uh, Iron Man's parents. And again, maybe you can refresh my memory on this. I don't remember them ever talking about Tony's parents being murdered until this movie. No, they definitely talked. They talked about that in the first one about them being murdered or just them dying because i don't remember there ever being a my parents were assassinated uh as they were going on vacation well um i want to say they said it because i remember first time around watching civil war like already knowing that see i'd say i don't remember it i said i own iron man one and three I don't own two because it's hot garbage, but... I thought three was hot garbage, too. I love three. Like, on one hand, I really liked it because it's not an Iron Man movie at all. It's a Tony Stark movie. Yes. And I think that's cool, but I just... Well, see, what I love about it is that it was written and directed by Shane Black. So here's the thing. So Marvel movies tend to be producer-focused. They don't really... They started hiring, like named director and then they replaced and and here is my retort anytime people say oh marvel cares about you know creativity and cares about storytelling they were marvel hasn't cared about creativity until about two years ago whenever ragnarok came out is when they started to care about creativity marvel replaced edgar wright on ant-man with peyton reed the director of Bring It On. Like, you can't tell me Marvel cares about creativity and originality when you're like, nah, Edgar Wright, we don't want your style and abilities in this movie. We're going to get the guy that did Bring It On. Well, it's not even that they replaced him. I don't know. I just think that was just a mess of an agreement because Edgar Wright kept insisting he's like, this isn't going to be connected at all. And they're like, please, though. (laughs) Please somehow make it connected. And even when you look at the movie, it's not even really connected. I mean, again, you have your credit scene that I forget what it even was. He high No, you have the bit where he robs the Avengers base and fights Falcon. That's right. I forgot about that. That was a fun little segment. That was. Ant-Man was fun. Ant-Man was fun. Ant-Man 2 was also very fun. Did not watch it. Because again, at a certain point, my my interest and my ability to be like, I'm going to go out of my way to watch the same movie again. It's just... just, Ant-Man and Wasp is definitely like a very... Actually, no... Uh, Ant-Man and Wasp was definitely a one-off-y thing, but it it was bumped into that phase where it's, we have to get everyone set up for Endgame, and it has the most satisfying setup. I can't tell you what it is. I guess you already know what it is. Yeah, I know what it is, yeah. Yeah, With uh, Ant-Man being trapped in tiny stuff. Yeah. I forgot what they called it. The quantum realm, I think. I just remember they didn't call it the microverse, and I got mad. (laughs) 
And you mentioned the phases. And here is the problem. It is really, really, really hard for me to be emotionally involved when I know you've already announced the sequel to the movie with the character who looks like they just died. When Infinity War came out, well, you already knew you were going to get Endgame. So when I get to the end and everybody's dusted, I'm like, okay, well, everybody's going to come back. Like, I... I like, I know that. Like, I, I can't be sad. Like, the Spider-Man... Spider-Man's death gets me. That, that's pretty sad. That has a lot to do with this wonderful acting and chemistry between Tom Holland and um, Robert Downey Jr. But, like, I can't be upset because I know the sequel's coming out in six months. I will agree with that because that did bug me. Like, half the people that got snapped, they had already announced they're making sequels to their movies, which... I wish they would have put Black Widow out earlier because... There's no point in it now. Well, it's not even that, but if they had put it out earlier, then it would have made it seem like maybe these people won't come back. Yeah, and I said you've announced the next 15 movies. Like, it's hard for me to to have any weight or or care at all because i remember like i swear it was like the week before infinity war came out they're like oh hey everybody captain marvel 2 and black panther 2 and guardians of the galaxy 3 and like all these movies are gonna come out on phase five or whatever and i'm like okay well you just killed all of them so either you're gonna do some weird time stuff which you're not because you're not that brave or all they're all coming back no they're saving the time stuff for (laughs) x-men they're they're gonna have to reset the whole universe for it not reset but if there's one thing x-men love it's time travel That's, I mean, it's, and again, I don't dislike Marvel. Marvel fans don't know the crap out of me. Honestly, a lot of time when there's such partisanship between anything, like I know I'm a DC guy. I'm fully admitted. I grew up with DC comics. My dad read Superman. My brother read The Flash. I read Green Lantern and Batman's Batman. Like DC in my household was common. And of course, like I loved the X-Men. And I even still have my Amalgam series, which was this brilliant crossover between DC and Marvel. And I remember I picked sides on each side of it. Like, I remember I wanted Wolverine to beat Lobo, you know, but I wanted... Dark Claw was so dope. What? Dark Claw. Yeah. I said, I have I have the, the crossover ones where they mix them all together. And Superman and Captain America together, things of that nature. Like, it's super cool. And so, like, I don't hate Marvel movies. Marvel fans annoy me. But at the end of the day, most of the Marvel movies are just aggressively average. But they have somehow been elevated to, you have to like this, otherwise you're, a, you know... You're not with it. You're not cool. Oh, you like the crappy DC movies? Well, then you suck as a person. And like, no, just you specifically because you defend Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad is is pointless fun. Suicide Squad is is a Marvel. Where's movie. the fun? The whole thing's fun. I had a terrible time <laughs> every time I watched it. <laughs> it's fun. It's to me again. It's a Marvel movie. It's the only movie I've ever seen in theaters and actually like considered throughout the entire movie. I was like, I can't do this. I'm leaving. I'm just going to walk out. (laughs) But no, it's Suicide Squad is harmless fun. Like Suicide Squad is every single Marvel movie for the most part. Now, there are Marvel movies that I think are amazing. Thor Ragnarok is probably hands down my favorite Marvel movie of them all. But I also worship the ground that Taka Waititi uh, walks on. I think that he he can do no wrong. Iron Man 1 and 3 are brilliant. Guardians of the Galaxy 
Captain America Winter Soldier is one That's of the, the coolest best Marvel movie. That's easily number two on my mind. And then the first Avengers, I also loved. Oh, and, I hated Avengers one so much. My I think bro- to me, my that's as well. Marvel. Actually, no, second worst because Thor two was terrible. Thor two is garbage. Thor one is also not any good. <laughs> I really liked. Honestly, Thor one was my favorite of Phase one. It's, I I did not like. I did not like. Uh, like the camera work was really annoying, but that was. It. I enjoyed everything else. Yeah, I mean, it's very much superhero Shakespeare, which is what you can expect with Kenneth Branagh directing it but that's also basically thor is what if shakespeare had fight (laughs) i can see that i can see that but at the end of the day they said civil war i do not think truly worked because all of the things that are introduced are immediately resolved the next time everybody sees each other they're like oh no no we're cool now fist bump guys we're good there's no real tension or drama that plays out in any of the movies after Civil War. You know, when they all reunite, they're like, hey, what you did wasn't cool. You're right, it wasn't. Pals. You want to know it's sad? What? The only movie that I would say is like, carries out the events of Civil War is Ant-Man and Wasp. Really? Because they like... Well, he's on house arrest. Being on house arrest is a major plot point that yeah. he has to work around. Yeah. And saying that's and that's fine. Like God. it's the one time. But again, it's the one guy. No one else. Like Captain America is not seen again until Infinity War. You know, with his little I think they maybe should have stretched I mean really they should have just saved Civil War for afterwards, but I think that they should have just done like put another phase in between Civil War and Infinity War. Don't I use think, I think Civil th- War as the beginning of this like setup into Infinity War and Endgame. I think Civil War should have maybe come right after Avengers. Like, I know they were still introducing some people, but let it be Mm -hmm. the New York hearings instead of the Sokovia hearing. I disagree only because, and I still think they even jumped the gun early because they didn't have enough people, but then they definitely would not have had enough people. Because I don't know, I don't know what else they could have done, but like, Civil War almost should have been the second phase. Or even give a little bit of time to where they can introduce some other people and let Civil War be what it basically was and be like Avengers, you know, 1.5 you know, instead of 2.5. Let it be an in-between one and introduce a lot of the characters that are going to get their own standalone. You know, let that be your introduction to Black Panther, to Spider-Man, to, I guess the Guardians can't show up, but, you know, Black Widow gets more of a moment. Doctor Strange somehow gets involved. You know, start planting those seeds. Ant-Man gets his, his big reveal in that section as well. You know, because a lot of the people come out of nowhere and they're like, oh, hey, I've, got this friend and they show up in a van and they're like who are these people and they're like previous movies that's who's in the van don't you remember people you like these movies kind of and then they bring them into the big fight i just think if you're gonna do that big fight you need a lot of people yeah like still bring them in but like let that be you know some of them don't need their own movie i mean i hulk still hasn't gotten his own movie and 22 marvel cinematic movies and that's perfectly fine i don't think hulk needs his own movie that's because universal um, it's a weird rights situation. Universal yeah. technically has the rights to Solo Hulk. Yeah, which is fine. Honestly, I I don't need a Solo Hulk movie. Some of the characters I don't think need solo movies. I think they work better as a team. Ragnarok worked so good because of Thor and Hulk's chemistry. You know, I think that sprinkling in, you know, Black Widow throughout other people's stories, like have Nick Fury be the larger connective tissue, but then additionally have Black Widow be the secondary connective tissue where she can keep 
propelling stories forward as that common thread that weaves in and out of everybody's stories. You know, and since she is a spy, she can be a bit dastardly and be like, hey, we're not supposed to help you, but I know you're the only person that can save the world in this moment. And then she helps someone that's on the opposite side is what it should have done. I, I think that their cinematic universe is, is, is messy at best and incoherent at worst with as many inconsistencies as they do. I can agree with that. But try to tell me Batman vs. Superman's a good movie. Okay, so here's why. Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice Ultimate Edition. I am only going to be speaking about the Ultimate Edition because it ring- it smooths out a lot of issues. I'm going to talk about the, the poopy one I paid to see in theaters on opening day, thinking, oh boy, Batman's going to fight Superman. This will be great. And then the movie started and it was cool. The Batman scenes were good. I'd say it really fell apart like once it started to actually build up to the final act. That's when everything fell apart. Oh, I I so disagree. So again, I'm a DC fanboy. I also love Zack Snyder. I think Zack Snyder doesn't get enough credit for what he does. I think he is one of the best visual storytellers out there. I think that he is one of the best action filmmakers out there as well. I'm not disappointed by any of his movies and I I have <laughs> I have multiple ways of defending all of his movies even if I probably shouldn't sometime. But Batman vs. Superman works because I would dare say that we have the best Bruce Wayne Batman. Oh, easily. Yeah. Ben Affleck was incredible as Batman. He is still my favorite Batman. You either have a good Batman or a good Bruce Wayne. You, You never got both. You know, this is the first time you got both. You have a good Batman and a good Bruce Wayne at the same time. He crushed it. He looked, the suit itself looked good. He looked good in it. He didn't sound dumb like Christian Bale. They also justified the difference of voice as well with his little voice modulator. Yeah. Alfred was fantastic. Alfred is more part of the team. Jeremy Irons' Alfred was incredible. So good. Uh, Gal and Gadot. I, I enjoyed the bits with Superman at the start, like showing him and Lois and then showing how everyone hates Superman. Mm-hmm. That was great because that was that was my biggest takeaway from Man of Steel is you literally finish this movie like that bit of SpongeBob where ev- Bikini Bottom's on fire and they're like, we did it, Patrick. We <laughs> saved the city. Yeah, like, well, that's the whole opening of the movie is you see Man of Steel, when you saw it in theaters or, or when you saw it when it came out, the scene between Superman and General Zod's amazing as they're flying through the air, punching each other through buildings, laser eyes going all over the place. You don't really think about the death and destruction going on around them. The buildings collapse and the laser beams are through everything. And I then, did. <laughs> so I use, I, I don't. I also, I tend to turn my brain off a lot when I watch a movie. But Batman vs. Superman opens up with Bruce Wayne's perspective on the streets of Metropolis as the fight's going on, seeing the death of destruction, seeing the buildings collapse, helping raise uh, blocks off of a guy's legs that have been now been destroyed, rescuing the little girl from a toppling arch and going, hey, you know, we're going to find your mommy. Where's your mommy at? And the little girl points up at a, where the skyscraper used to be. Like it shows the destruction that you normally never see. It carries such a weight. And you're like, you know what? Like, we know Superman's good because we were there watching the movie. You know, we know he's truth, justice, and the American way. They Batman, don't even know what Superman is. They just know there's two people flying around breaking everything. Yeah. And they talk about it in Batman vs. Superman. You know, from an evolutionary standpoint, we are now threatened. We think that we're at the top of the world here. And we know we're better than dogs. or know we're better than the bacteria. 
And yet here is this God-like creature flying through the air, capable of things that we can never dream of. You can't beat him. He defeats your military. He defeats you. He can conquer that world. He is potentially the greatest threat. And you already see another one just like him that we find out eventually is a bad guy. But how do we know that this one is the good guy? He wears a blue suit? Cool. But he could easily turn on us, which is the insecurity and the fear that drives the whole movie, that motivates Batman. And then plus you have Lex Luthor playing behind the scenes, manipulating the situations to make Batman look worse. You know, he is paying criminals to kill people that Batman brand in prison. You know, he is poisoning the mind of people against Superman. You know, making him look bad, putting him in bad places all the time, framing him for crimes like the shootout in the desert. When he got the crippled dude to just blow himself up in the middle of the court hearing. Yeah. After giving that woman piss in a jar. Yeah. It's, that was good. It's so good. And like I said, and there's so many things of it where it makes sense. It's more grounded. It's a more realistic take. And it works every single time. The cast is on is banging on cylinders the whole time. And Jesse Eisenberg is not the Lex Luthor. He is the son of the Lex Luthor. I don't like that. Why give me give me yeah, Lex? Because it lets you play with it a little bit more. You can see him going down the same path. It allows him to be a different character that you haven't seen before instead of being a, a stuffy old guy in a suit. You know, like in the first Superman, he's a land developer. You know, it, it creates a different kind of spin on it where it's almost like a tech industry like a silicon valley smarmy rich kid who uses mommy and daddy's resources to get what he wants to make i'm also slightly biased i hate jesse eisenberg (laughs) i go back and forth it really depends on the movie on if i hate him or not he's a poor man's michael (laughs) Sarah. I could see that. It works really, really well. I know when Gal Gadot shows up in Batman vs. Superman, my wife has never seen Batman vs. Superman all the way through. Like she'll come in different parts because I. this is the second time I've watched Batman vs. Superman this year, just for the record. <laughs> That's how much I love this movie. You can't see, but I'm shaking my head in <laughs> such disapproval. <laughs> But my wife was watching with me. She was with me from the beginning this time. And she enjoyed it, which is good, which means that we can stay married a little bit longer. But when Gal Gadot shows... A couple more years to the marriage. A couple more years, yeah. We're safe for now. But when Gal Gadot shows up, my wife just looked at her and cursed. I go, what? And she goes, she's just so effing pretty. Like, it's not fair, you know, which is true. And then I did not think that Gal Gadot was going to work as Wonder Woman. I had my own pick. I wanted Gina Carano to be uh, Wonder Woman, but she killed it. Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) See, I, I remember us discussing that when they announced the casting. And you were very, very much in the Pierce Bronson camp. And then I was in the John Travolta and drag from Hairspray camp. Mm, that would have... I'm like, really, I know one of them was already a blockbuster hit, but you could have minimum doubled your money with John Travolta. <laughs> Especially current John Travolta with all the botched plastic surgery. Yes. <laughs> but for me, like I said, Gal Gadot stole the show and so much. And there are clunky bits of it. I will easily admit that. The reveal of the metahumans, I feel is very very forced and very rushed where it's like you're looking at the the already you know logos 
for each of them, the little PowerPoint presentation of each video. It's clunky. I think it's awkward. Woman's entire inclusion was really forced. I I actually really like it worked liked for it. the end for the final fight, but it felt solely like they just were slipping her in there because we need to set up Wonder Woman for Justice League. And we don't have time to do it in her movie because it's in the past. I feel like if they had done one more segment with Wonder Woman, it would have been fine. Because you have her at the event that Clark and Bruce get invited to. Then you have Bruce and her crossing paths at the museum where she knows that the weapon is a fake. And she's returned the thing. And I wish there was one more moment between maybe her and Clark or her and Bruce again to kind of establish her more being there and more subtle than either one of them were to get more information about the situation to understand a little bit better. And I think it would have paid off a little bit better. Yeah. And I'm hoping that maybe like since they are slowly peppering their way up to Wonder Woman in present time, I'm hoping that by Wonder Woman 5, (laughs) they sprinkle in some details yeah i mean, I imagine they will but i really really liked it and i think that the build-up worked well i love the way that the story there, there's a lot of zigging when they're supposed to be zagging they do a great job building up each person i remember when we were watching it this last time you have this amazing chase sequence of the batmobile after the uh, kryptonite and that was very problematic sir <laughs> Why is that? Batman, even at his points when he murders people, it's like, I have no option. I have to. And it's a morally gray. Even murder Batman storylines are old, like... they, they Old Batman no, murdered old Batman all the time. Very gray. Batman murdered a guy for adultery. Or that was Superman. I can One of them murdered a person for adultery. Old Batman also used to carry a gun. Old Batman did carry a gun, but I think you <laughs> forgot what nonsense he did with that gun. No, he used that gun to shoot other people's guns out of their hands. <laughs> on some mega PG nonsense. <laughs> Just the fact that Bat- there's no setup to them even saying this Batman kills people. It just suddenly happens. And I was like, oh, oh. This this Batman's sick of everyone's crap. Like, they established that early. Like, this Batman is tired. He is old. He's already lost Jason Todd. He has seen so much misery and tragedy in his life. He's done. He's done being the, oh, I don't kill people. Which even then has been bull crap for the entirety of of the Batman universe. You had Bat- Michael Keaton Batman killing people. You had Christian Bale's Batman killing people. You got Ben Affleck killing people. Like, it's a thing. Like, it's not it's not a new thing by any stretch of the imagination. But the car chase scene works so well because you build up this super beastly Batmobile that's dragging other cars, flipping through tankers, driving through explosions, shoots its way out of a boat, crashes through a building, and then they go around a corner and there's Superman standing there and it literally goes ding right off of Superman's legs and then crashes. Like you have this, what is supposed to be this amazing unstoppable Batmobile and it just gets taken out by Superman's thigh and Superman's like, yo, like I could kill you and I can wreck all of your stuff right now, but you need to chill out right now. And it's brilliant because you're setting up the expectation that the Batmobile is unstoppable. And then you go, Superman's more unstoppable. And it's brilliant. 
There's so many moments of that every single time. During their fight at the end, you know, Superman is like, hey, I realize what's going on now. You know, Lex Luthor literally just spelled out his whole entire plan to me. We got to work together. And Superman's like, no, I don't like you. (laughs) Here's some mini guns. Here's some sonic waves. Here's some kryptonite. And then Superman at one point just like, okay, you know what? Like, I don't want to have to kill you, but I got to say my mama and I will wreck you. (laughs) Batman, I will wreck you so hard right now. And I love that, that there's, they attempt it. And again, having watched Civil War and then Batman vs Superman back to back, the tone is so different. Oh, so, tone definitely, because DC is not afraid to pull punches. Yeah. And then you have like in the Batman vs Superman fight, which is a pretty intense fight, even the other fights, which always have a bit more weight behind them. I think possibly because they have actual people uh, and then set a CGI, but there's a meaning and a purpose behind every fight. There's a greediness in there and they're not making jokes the whole time. Like you literally have people in civil war fighting friend against friend and a very confrontational, huge implications of being a, a basically a terrorist. And they're like, Hey, we're still friends, right? Depends on how hard you hit me. You know, quipping the entire time. Oh, honey, when's the last time you read Civil War, though? (laughs) It is weirdly, really tonally inconsistent because the overall tone's really dark and grim. But oh my goodness, does everyone try to not make it? (laughs) And like, it's it's off-putting, honestly. Like Marvel can't go; they can't let a dramatic beat sit there at all everything has to have a quick little here's a joke here's a snarky comment like very rarely can you let a moment sit and simmer and carry any weight you know when roadie gets uh shot out of the sky by vision on accident falcon comes down like i'm so sorry and honestly like it seeing it this time it didn't feel as silly but when iron man just blind you know 360 no scopes uh falcon right in the chest with his blast that was so good though it's good but it also feels a bit too comedic like this time it didn't feel as comedic the first time i saw it it didn't feel like i'm lashing out at anger it was like i'm so sorry then like oh here's unexpected and i don't know if maybe it was re-edited because i remember watching it it felt like the wide shot lingered longer than when i watched it this week on disney plus it it was a lot quicker the shot to Falcon as he flew backwards. But I, I feel like I remember in theaters, it cuts wide, you see the hand, you see him fall, waits like just a beat, and then it cuts back to Tony being upset. You know, and even then, like as he's with Rhodey later on, trying to regain the use of his legs and they collapse, Dan Lee shows up and is like, hey, is this package for Tony Stank? You're like, no, that's good though. Like it's good. And again, it's not bad. It's just that you have this pretty intense moment and then like, boop, here's a joke. You know, it's just, it's constantly at odds with itself on what it's trying to do. You know, and Batman vs Superman, the comedic beats that do happen within the fights, which for the most part aren't there. The final fight with Doomsday has more comedy in it. Like when Superman is about to get blasted by Doomsday, he stops struggling and just looks straight at the camera and just says, oh crap, right before he gets blasted. And then Wonder Woman makes her amazing uh, appearance which to this day, every time I see it, like I know she's showing up. I know exactly when she's going to show up. 
but you get that giant blast, the blinding light, and then the blinding light fades away from the laser blast, and there she is, arms crossed, staring straight at the camera, and that amazing theme song starts blaring. I get goosebumps every single time. It is one of the best reveals of all time in a superhero movie. You know, it's, you know, again, you have this big, amazing reveal of it's Wonder Woman. You have the same thing in Civil War with Spider-Man. It's like, holy crap, we're getting Spider-Man. But he's literally introduced by Tony Stark going, yo, underoos. Like, it doesn't really carry the same weight seeing the full character in action. But that's also because they're going hard for dorky teenager Peter. And I think his debut of just laying there going, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was like a good setup for their relationship and dynamic of the weird almost like father-son bond that they end up getting. Yeah, and I'm and I'm fine with that. But like if you're gonna reveal Spider-Man in your movie, and I know Marvel was scared because Sony still owns the rights, so they don't want to make him too great, but then they still want to make two extra movies and make him basically the center of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hoping they can get their rights. Not um, anymore. I think no. they're gonna pivot real hard out now because Sony's like you got one more. Yeah. And that's what it is. I mean, you try to pin your whole thing on here. And again, part of it is that Disney thought they could strong arm Sony. And no, Sony... but they did though. They literally did twice. So they have every reason to believe they can do it again. See, I they they got some leeway. They didn't win. Sony's still the winner. Sony still has Spider-Man. Sony's still making Spider-Man movies. Sony still has the whole Spider-Verse, you know, movie, like the animated movie and Venom and Carnage, which Venom was fun. I I actually had fun with Venom. Venom is, man, if it had came out in 2004, which is when I assumed they wrote the script, (laughs) it would have been the greatest movie ever. It would have been, I think if it came out in the early 2000s, people would talk about Venom as like one of the greatest superhero movies, but it was just so dated. That's a discussion for another episode. Yes, though. it is. But like I said, it's like I said, the problem is that Marvel can't make up its mind, but wants to pretend like it's had its mind made up the entire time. And that's the problem. DC had its mind made up and they stuck with it for, for good or for bad until until unfortunately tragedy struck uh, Zack Snyder's family with the passing of his daughter. And they basically tried to do a coup and have Josh Whedon completely undermine and cut out and drastically re-edit and just chunk a whole big chunk of the movie out you know he tried to turn a Zack Snyder movie into one of his movie but the problem is that tonally they're very different directors Mm -hmm. like Joss Whedon is the I'm gonna make a feel-good fun action story for the whole family and Zack Snyder's like I'm gonna make a crazy kind of dark action spectacle yeah you know Josh Whedon is a a dialogue director and Snyder is a visual storyteller. And like I said, I, I think Batman vs. Superman is great. Now, I do I do want to talk about the elephant in the room because I don't want anyone to think that I'm glazing over it. The Martha scene. So that was I think, dumb. So I think we've talked about this before. And you still think I'm dumb for it. Yes. But it's not even that. It's even the setup to everything surrounding Martha. The Martha thing was dumb. And then what immediately follows was dumb. I will get there. <laughs> and I will disagree so hard. So the Martha thing, execution, not great. I will 100% admit that. But to me, what that scene means is that yes, you know, Batman, who is deeply traumatized by the death of his parents, hears his mom's name and hears this being who he doesn't 
I don't think he even really realizes that it's Clark Kent still. Like he hasn't put the two and two together. He hears the supernatural alien being saying, save Martha, which obviously is his mom's name. He sees this being like, why are you telling me to save my mom? Why are you telling me to save this Martha? Why are you saying this name? What does this mean to you? Are you messing with me? What's going on? And Lois Lane shows up and says, Martha's his mom. And yes, our moms have the same name. I'm more interested. But the other part of it is that he now sees this alien being as human. He sees that he did have a mother, presumably a father. They may not have birthed him, but he is willing to let Batman kill him so long as he will go save this one person, which ties into Batman's thing when he talks to Flash, where it says, save one person and then go from there. And so this is this all-powerful, unstoppable alien being saying, save this one human, and you can take me out. That's fine but this per- i will sacrifice myself for this human for humanity go f- that's my read on the situation again it could have been done better it could have been established a little bit better you know it was i think the best they could do to try and break the monotony of it to try and get them to be less at each other's throat and to form their bond together but yeah I, that that's that's my take on it, it it's it's less it, it's less moms have the same name more oh you're a human too there's some some humanity in you you're not this blank slate of potential evil or potentially unstoppable for that's my take on it. Uh, but what about lois throwing the stupid spear in the water just to create a little bit of conflict for her five minutes later so she has something to do for the team fight okay also again not the best but at that point doomsday hasn't even shown up so they didn't she just knew that this thing can kill the love of my life i'm throwing it down this thing no one else knows it's here. I'm getting it out of the way. Also, what even was that thing? It was just like a random watery hole in a warehouse. Yeah, it was it just flooded. Just, I, I've been to enough abandoned buildings where you'd be surprised at the things that get flooded all of a sudden. You can be in one stairwell that's completely dry. The next one is completely flooded. No reason why. Seepage from the ground, burst water pipes, rainwater, bad walls. So to me, that wasn't too out of there. But with them creating their uneasy alliance of being friends, It does feed in to what I think we can all agree is one of the coolest fight scenes in any superhero movie, the warehouse fight. Mm, I know it was a cool... I will say the Superman-Batman fights were good. It's so good. The Doomsday fight was dumb. The The Doomsday looked really ugly. Doomsday was really... I wish they had kept it more true to the comics. I actually... I have the Death of Superman graphic novel where they compiled all the stories and looking at them, I get why they didn't because they did the whole... Comic Doomsday looks awesome. Comic Doomsday is awesome, but the origin of him is different in this you know so that's that's the reason that well, you couldn't have it be a lab experiment breakout it was made by Lex well no Luther the Richard origin Club. changed like that was fine it was literally just his design was so gross and orky yeah it was and i wish they had made it more i wish they'd gone more bony with him because you know in the comic every time he gets hurt wherever he gets hurt, he gets punched in the face bones come out gets you know scrapes on the ground bones come out and it becomes it's this indestructible item that becomes more indestructible the more you try to hurt it which is what was so brilliant and so great about it. and then they get their double knockout at the end so i think doomsday was a little gross you know very trolly very orky looking yeah but i still think that that was a super awesome fight with them i loved the the teamwork that they actually do with it of uh, you have it's one of those moments that it's funny but it's also like it makes 100 percent sense when doomsday is about to blast all three of them batman runs and hides 
under some concrete and then Superman and Wonder Woman are there deflecting it with their superpowers because you know they are gods among men and Batman is just a man <laughs> and so I liked the the struggle between Batman having to stand equal to two gods facing another god and doing his best to try and weaken it or do literally anything other than die the entire time. And I thought it was really, really cool. But yeah, I mean, I think I think that covers the two movies. Yeah. Like I said, I, I will long defend Batman vs. Superman. I want, if, if, if you hated Batman vs. Superman before you start this episode and you're still angry at me for, for dunking on Marvel movies, please think about what I said, rewatch the Ultimate Edition, and see if my personal take, my insights, kind of make it less awful for you. See if you can see the things that I've seen it that I love and adore so much about them. You see so much in that movie. I see. It's so good. It's so, so good. Like, I... I can't tell you how excited I am for the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Like, I am stupid excited for this four-hour-long movie. (laughs) Is it four hours? That is the rumor. Uh, They're talking about either releasing it as one solid movie or breaking up into four segments and releasing it that way, kind of episodic. Kind of like what um, Netflix did, I think, with The Hateful Eight, uh, where they make it a little bit episodic, which, I mean, I'm I'm fine just leaving it solid and I will watch the crap out of it. They have the new, they have the original design for Steppenwolf, which is shown in the ultimate cut for Batman vs. Superman. They are not using any of Josh Whedon's footage at all. Last I heard, I think they're spending like $30 million to do the post-production, visual effects, editing, all that. Like, he is working on it right now uh, to make sure this thing gets out there the way that it needs to be. The storylines that were deleted, like the black suit Superman, that's going to be back in there. And again, I went to the Civil War with a more open mind this time because I, I wanted to not be so negative. And again, like I said, it's it's a perfectly fine movie. They did the best with like what you could with cramming a colossal storyline into one movie. Although I will say I hate how they handled Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo is such a great villain and he is such a nothing character in Civil War. Like does he's he just, ever show back up? I'm trying to, does he has he ever shown back up after that? Not yet. So he's for the Winter Soldier and Falcon TV show, he busts out of jail and starts being actually Baron Zemo. Oh okay. I was curious about that. But yeah no, I mean again I, I I can't really think I have a friend who I know disagrees with me. He thinks I hate Marvel movies. I don't hate them. They're just very average to me. They're, yeah, they are very aggressively average. I I like to call them paint by numbers movies. Yeah. You know, superhero movie Mad Libs. You know, it's it's a it's fine. It's perfectly fine. There is, for the most part, on average, most Marvel movies, there is nothing about them that's going to wow you, and there's nothing that's gonna upset you, with the exception of like the seven amazingly good and like the two or three really bad ones. Everything else is just like, yeah, that was neat. And then when you try and think about it later, you're like, Oh yeah, there was that thing that was kinda neat, and that's where you you, you end your day with it so again you know, everyone's already seen civil war people just ignored batman for superman um, when they shouldn't have i know you disagree <laughs> 
Yeah. But again, again, I challenge you as well. Watch I'll watch the ultimate version eventually. It's just like the theatrical cut was just so messy. See, again, I I like the theatrical version, but I knew a lot of the storylines at play and I'd done my research before the movie started to smooth out any things that kind of came out of nowhere for me that I was like, oh, I forgot about that thing in the comics or whatever. Um, So I liked it as well. The ultimate cut's definitely better. It is long. It's three hours long. Yeah. And see, and the theatrical one was already so long. It's like two and a half hours long, yeah. That I those thirty minutes really must round stuff out to make it enjoyable. There, there's a lot that is explained and a lot that is elaborated upon, and then there's a couple of new moments that also just add a bit of flavor to it as well. And plus, it's also way more violent. There's a lot of blood in it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so I like that. But yeah, no, so I again, I challenge you. I challenge everyone else. Listen to what I said. Take it with a grain of salt. Go to the movie. See what you think. And then let's hope that Justice League proves me right on how to save. One last thing about my dislike of Batman murdering people so blatantly. <laughs> it completely... There's no way they can do Red Hood now. Or there's no way they could do Red Hood well because the whole point of Red Hood when he comes into the scene is that he's like that. He doesn't care. He's going to kill people. And that's why he and Bruce clash so much. But now if Bruce tries to come at Jason Todd and be like, stop killing, he's just a giant hypocrite. Well, the thing is this, and I'm trying to remember the order. Which Robin was it that the Joker shot? Two. Jason. That was Jason? Okay. First becomes Nightwing. Second one dies, comes back, and becomes Red Hood. Third one becomes Red Robin. And then I think he died not too long ago. Well, Jason Todd is his kid. Well, Jason Todd also became the Joker at one point, didn't he? No. I thought that was one of the things where, because in, in Batman vs. Superman, there's the Robin suit that has bullet holes in it, and it says, you know, the joke's now on you. And the and the the theory was that Jared Leto's Joker was Jason Todd, that he's the one that took over the mantle of the Joker after the original Joker died. Because he's, I mean, got, he's got matching would, bullet holes on him. I think that would be cool, but I prefer, I prefer ambiguous Joker. Even though I did really like the Joker movie. Yes, which is still fairly ambiguous. Yeah, but I like the idea of you don't know Joker, but Joker sure knows you. Yeah, I do like that. So yeah, so I think that covers everything for the movies. Again, give them a try if you haven't seen them. I, I can't stop praising Batman vs. Superman. Civil oh, War. I know you can't. Yeah. Uh, Civil War, perfectly fine. Check them out. Let us know what y'all think. We'll go ahead. We'll take a quick break and then we're going to jump into the TWE review. Thanks for sticking with us, gang. (laughs) Let's go ahead and slide into the TWE Chattanooga discussion. We had a lot of really good matches. I would say this last one may have been the best TWE show that I've seen thus far. I... I would agree. Like it's right up there with the first one that we went to, the one that right after lockdown was over. It's they're neck and neck. I don't know which one is the best one, but it is definitely one of the best ones that we've seen. It was fantastic and no championship fights. None of the champions were even there, but the fact that they could still put on such a good card. Oh, it was so good. You know, and there honestly there were a lot more matches than I was expecting. So we probably I know we went long on the 
movie discussion. So I know we won't be able to discuss every match, give it the time that it needs, but they were Luther all... Luther versus Cody Manhorn, though. I I can't remember if you how long you stayed with us afterwards, but I know I talked to Cody and Luther afterwards, and I told them both what you said, which is that match was way better than it had any right being. It was amazing, top to bottom. That was one of the best live matches i've ever seen easily the best live like independent match that i've seen that i can think of i think honestly the only live match that i've seen that like topped out creme de la creme was kenny omega and hangman adam page versus the lucha bros (laughs) and that's i mean it's literally four of the best wrestlers in the world two of them are my diehard favorites i will murder someone over pentagon jr slander (laughs) and these to just tore it down. They told such a good story. Well, the crazy thing is, is that, and I always feel bad. I, I'm not a very animated guy when, I, when I'm at a wrestling show or concerts. You know, I think part of it is that I have no rhythm. So when people start clapping or singing, like I almost immediately get off beat with everybody else. I'm like, well, I'm not going to. Oh, it's okay. Them. So is everyone else. Right. <laughs> but I, I do my best. Like I, I don't typically get very animated. Several times during um, last week's show, I guess, yeah, week and a half show now, I could not contain myself. I was hooting. I was hollering. I was cheering. I think I shot up a couple times out of my chair. There were way more oohs and ahs and wow, like throughout the entire night. And the Cody Manhorn and Luther match, Luther X match, got a majority of those, I would say. It was so good. Yeah, there was, that one definitely had me kind of launch out of my chair a handful of times, especially when Cody got the roll-up win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I love me some Cody Manhorn. I didn't, and I think you you were there after the show. There were about five or six people wanting to talk to him and get their picture with him. And he started squatting with everybody. And yeah, was, I got to squat with the coach. That was amazing. <laughs> like, this is his third match. He has people waiting after the show to squat with him. It is insane he is so over like i am blown away he's incredible and credit where it's due lutha x is a fantastic bully heel oh lutha is amazing i have yet and, to disappoint any of his matches yeah all of his matches have been fantastic but i think he just plays the character of that like bully heel that i'm going to stomp you down and disrespect you in the ring he does it so well And Cody fed off of that so well because Cody's already, I would say, probably maybe not the most, but one of the most over people at TWE by a mile. Oh, yeah. As soon as his song starts, people are cheering. Oh, yeah. It's it's an insane event because we watched his first match and we watched him pretty much instantly get over not only with his song choice but then with his squats in the ring and then it just grows every time like they have themselves a real talent with him i mm, i just i think he has such a high ceiling oh and it's such a fun silly gimmick too Absolutely. That he was very obviously the underdog babyface of that match, but I feel like his gimmick works in such a way that it can flip to whatever you need it to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like I, I can the, see him being extremely versatile. You know, he can eat the loss. 
you know, he can also get the win and it can all come down to his training and conditioning. He did enough squats before the match or didn't do enough squats it is the way that you can justify whatever the outcome is. But then we also had a segment to set up for their seven years strong show. Jaden came out to basically set up for his match of who he's facing and then the winner of the opening contest of the show trevor aeon came out this is my first time seeing trevor aeon and he's a he's a fun little vampire although i will say trevor if you're listening why don't you bite people yeah bite them like you have the fangs do it i if if y'all leaned into the vampire i would I would buy every Trevor Aon shirt that you had. You have him defeat Jaden by biting him in the neck. No, defeat Jaden and then bite him. Turn him into a vampire. Turn him into your minion. Oh, that would be good. Right, right. You could, you could have that. And then you could have, I don't know, a Van Helsing character pop up. <laughs> Can we be I want Jaden to come out to that match in some Van Helsing gear. So bad. But I I want him to look like Hugh Jackman's Van Helsing. No, exactly. (laughs) That's what it has to be. We saw Trevor Young for the first time. Very impressed. I like him. I like his gimmick. I like his personality. I think it's a lot of fun. I like I like I like that there's a vampire in TWE. I like that a lot. <laughs> and then we had a colossal main event. But we had O'Shea Edwards and we had the Merc with the main Graham, Graham Bell. Bell. And it was a very fun and great match. Hard hitting for sure. Graham oh. Bell's got some kicks. Yeah. I, I was really impressed. I, I I did not expect it to be as good of a match. I was excited to be a good match because, you know, you have O'Shea and we've seen Graham Bell before. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. It was so much fun. The comedy bit at the beginning with Graham constantly trying to put distance between him and O'Shea. Yes. Which I thought was, was really picked fun. up the bazooka. Yes. <laughs> and I, I want to apologize to Graham Bell. They asked for predictions I said without the bazooka, he doesn't have a chance. He came out, had that bazooka, and it worked. So, Well, it didn't work too well because O'Shea did get the win. That is true. Which we have to talk about that, how long, I believe it was 36 or 38 second long delayed vertical suplex. Yes. I've never seen anyone do one that long that was so i remember i was counting along and once it hit past Wenny, my voice kind of got higher and like surprised each time i kept counting it was like 21 22 <laughs> to the point when it hit 30 i was just yelling in excitement like just keep going <laughs> the amount of strength that O'Shea had and then the amount of strength that uh, Graham bell had to be able to hold himself up in that position for that long, I was blown away. Like, I honestly, I expected it to go to 10. So, <laughs> like, I was going to... I thought do- it would be, like, maybe 15 just because O'Shea is Jack, mm-hmm. but no. Oh, this is my first time seeing O'Shea Edwards live, and he blew me away. And his oh. promo afterwards. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I got a little bit choked up whenever he was, like, kind of tearing up, and he's like, I should have never left Tennessee. Yeah. And I was like, mm. We feel you, man. You're always welcome home. Come back. Yeah, and... He will be for the October show, because he called out TWE champion Brett Ison. The human shotgun with no other nicknames. None at all. He is the human shotgun. <laughs> 
That is going to be... That's going to be a good match. I'm scared for the ring. It's going to hurt me. I can just... I can see them chopping each other and just feeling every thud that happens. Like, I I feel like by the end of their... They have to have a chop fest, I'm assuming. That by the end of that, my chest will be caved in. Yeah. (laughs) Just off the concuss of power. I feel like... It's just going to send shockwaves and knock a few chairs over. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should sit in the front row, bring a whole bunch of friends, and by the third one, we just literally tip all of ourselves back. Please. <laughs> we reserve the whole first two rows for this bit. <laughs> I wish. But yeah, no, it's going to be great. The, the next show, which is going to be on August 22nd, is shaping up to be great. No matter what you see on the card right now for the 22nd and then for uh, the big show, show up anyway. I mean, it's not like you're going to be like, oh, you know, Hulk Hogan's not on the card, so I'm not going to go. They're all local guys. They're all indie guys. They're all hungry. They're all vying for your attention and your love. You are going to get a great show no matter who's on there, and you may have a new favorite wrestler. I know after the last show, my wife and I walked away with three O'Shea (laughs) t-shirts. O'Shea made me a fan. I fell in love with AC Mac all over again. Yes. I had not. So I've seen AC Mac a couple times at uh, Mucha Lucha Atlanta several years ago. He, uh, I saw a match where he wrestled Austin Theory, who's now in WWE, maybe not for much longer. But he was great then, had beautiful enziguris. And then seeing him now, years later, seeing how much he's progressed, it's only a matter of time before AC Max on TV. Oh yeah, no he and it's and it needs to be sooner rather than later because he is so the way he can work a crowd is incredible. I mean, like I didn't know the guy until he showed up, and I don't know how many other people knew him before. I know he's been around this area, but watching him, you no, know, they. They knew him. He's a former TWE champion. I'm okay with him being champ champ right now. <laughs> he holds the Action Wrestling Championship and he holds the Bone Storm Championship from SUP up in Nashville. Yeah, like I said, it was so good. There's so much great talent. And again, I know we talked about this the first time we went to a TWE show, but and it's hard for me to still shake it. Every time we go to TWE, there's a part of my brain, a part of my brain that goes, it's a local crap show. Like it's, you're not going to be wild. You're not going to be impressive. Part of me has on my brain. That's what I thought when we first went and I was immediately proved wrong. And part of me still goes, it's just TWE. Like I'm, I'm going because I got friends that are there, but then I go, but every match is a banger. Like I have yet to be disappointed. My wife and I were were figuring out our budget recently and we built in TWE shows into our budget. Like that's how important going to these are is to make sure it's like, yeah, no, that's, that is a thing that is going to happen forever for the foreseeable future. I took I took Saturday nights out of my work availability and told them that it's because I have another job <laughs> just so they will not schedule me on Saturday nights so I don't so I can go to the TWE shows. Yeah, like it's it's like I actually had that phone call earlier today. <laughs> like it's great. Like everyone in the Chattanooga area should go. If you can't make it, if you're not in the Chattanooga area, sign up for IWTV. 
I think there's like a free trial or something. I think even TWE had. A, a- there is. If you, TWE has a special code that'll get you either, it's either five or seven days free, but either way, IWTV is worth it yeah, for I- more than just TWE. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, I cannot wait for this weekend. Honestly, every other weekend has become the highlight for my wife and I. It is, we've already decided it's our date night. Like, our date night is going to wrestling. And we, That's adorable. And we enjoy it so much. We are so, so over the moon with it. It's going to be a big weekend for wrestling. There's a lot of stuff to watch. TWE, oh. and then same time that that's going on takeover happens so i'm gonna watch that afterwards tournament of survivals also happening the same time SummerSlam is this weekend also isn't it SummerSlam is the next day as well as a really another really stacked gcw card yeah gcw goes jersey shore yeah next week we're gonna have a lot of wrestling news to talk about and i guess that's everything for now just when the episode comes up on iwtv watch it sign up come to the show it's 12 dollars a person August 22nd, TWE Arena, Red Bank Chattanooga. Show up. You will not be disappointed. You won't. I I think this next show is going to be real good. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that covers everything. Do want to make a couple of quick announcements. Um, we, we are going to be doing a two-part series with Miranda Gordy. She is the daughter of Terry Bam Bam Gordy from the Fabulous Freebirds, wrestling icon and legend. She's going to be on the show to tell us some stories about her father, as well as talk about her career in the wrestling industry. And for our next episode, we decided to do the Razzie, which is awarded to the worst film of the year, and the Oscar for best picture of the year for the year 1995. So we've got a good one there. We've got two movies that it's basically the same plot, <laughs> but it's proof of mob mentality that just skewed public opinion to love one and hate the other. We've got Braveheart and we've got Showgirls. Yep, that's right. The best picture and the worst picture of the year. We're going to be discussing the merits of both of them, as well as how time has treated them over the years, and to see if they are still as beloved or reviled today. So that's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. I do think, though, that we should try and make a mashup of showgirls and braveheart i just to like interlace scenes and see if anyone even notices yeah i mean they are very similar style wise i don't think anyone would even notice they would just be like wait mel gibson's hair looks long (laughs) i didn't know he was that flexible fascinating scottish history it's that flexible